This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Carr has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, day one of the NFL drafts in the books. We've got day two on deck. Let's talk about it. I don't think there could have been a better case scenario than what the Jets walked out of day one with, with Zach Wilson at two and then making the move up the board, swapping picks with the Vikings and getting Elijah Vera Tucker. How are you feeling, Michael? I'm feeling really good in terms of the two players, you know, Wilson, Wilson and Vera Tucker was the best case scenario for sure. Obviously you would have liked for him to be there at 23. So you don't have to give up Wasn't those third round picks, but that was never going to happen. And the top priority was giving Zach Wilson some help doing exactly what the jets never did for Sam Darnold. And if you had to, if you have to make an aggressive move to go up and do it, then by all means go out and do that. The jets were put in a very bad position with guard this off season and free agency, it was extremely weak. It was Joe Tooney and nobody else. And Joe Tooney goes to Kansas city. So the jets are left with no options to upgrade guard, unless they did want to move McGovern over and sign an upgraded center, which they didn't want to do, which is defensible. Um, but it did thin out their options. Then you come into the draft and it's the same deal. There aren't really many, well, you have Vera Tucker, but beyond him, there aren't really any viable guard options in the first round, that would make sense at 23. So you're in a weird spot where if you want one, you'd either be reaching there or you'd have to trade up. Uh, so they just decide to make the aggressive move, get probably the best guard in the draft. Um, and it makes plenty. It makes plenty sense. This is something, this is the top priority for this team and you have enough picks or you can trade up and you still have a very viable amount of picks to build your team throughout the rest of the draft. So um, I'm a huge fan of making this move. It's aggressive. It's what they needed to do. Yeah, the big story is obviously who they took at two in the the Sam Darnold's replacement, the next Broadway Joe, etc. Let's talk about Zach Wilson in a minute because personally, the, the trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker told me way more about Joe Douglas than anything else. Because I was telling you earlier before the draft is you know obviously you and I are both very bullish on Joe Douglas. We really like some of the moves that he's made, bringing in Robert Sala in the, the free agency. Um, this past offseason in particular have given us uh, a lot of good signs. And then you couple that with last year's draft class, but we've kind of had the sentiment. We don't really know who he is yet. And we were going to learn a lot about him this weekend. And the fact that he made that trade up, we learned that Joe Douglas, yes, he's smart. Yes. He's measured, but he's not going to fall into the trap to, uh, of being too conservative of not taking chances, not taking risks. We saw in Philly, how Philly is very comfortable moving up and down the board. And it's, it's encouraging to see that he's taking a similar mantra with the Jets. I love the move to get him. I, I think he's the best player at the spot. It's a massive hole for the Jets. He's a perfect scheme fit. They, they, Joe Douglas said that he was a top 10 player on their board overall. Um, and they didn't have to give up pick 34. They gave up 
two thirds, they got back a fourth and you can trade down from 34, recoup some of those picks. Um, and you still have ammo to force to maybe jump back up into the third. So you just have so much flexibility here and you secure two really great players and probably the best case scenario that any Jets fan was hoping for was Zach Wilson uh, and Elijah Vera Tucker. And like you mentioned, there was no chance he was going to get to 23. So the fact that um, they were able to convince the Vikings hop all the way to 14, I was reading a tweet that, you know, three picks before that, the just the, the, the bears moved up nine spots to get Justin Fields and they gave up a net, um, you know, pick value of a first rounder and the jets moved up nine spots, three picks later and gave up a net value of a fourth rounder. So for anybody who's saying the compensation is too much, one, you have to recognize the Vikings were looking for offensive line help. So you have to imagine they were at least somewhat interested in Vera Tucker. I think they were probably looking more for a left tackle and liked Vera Tucker more at guard, which is probably why they were more comfortable with Derisaw. But regardless, they were looking for an offensive lineman and you're never going to trade for the exact value because the team who's picking at 14 doesn't really make much more sense they can go get a, a more uh a higher quality player a more reliable player if you're going to move down that much you have to get more than the expected values so the fact yeah that usually the usually only... the team trading down is the one that wins in terms yeah. of the value and they should so anybody's posting the draft value charts that are saying oh the jets gave up too much it's like two-thirds and you get back a fourth it's like i'll take the deal any day of the week especially when you're trading up for a player like vera tucker who fills a huge need and is a great scheme fit um I guess now we'll go to Zach Wilson, who we've known was going to be the pick for the last month now at this point. Michael, you were, you were telling me earlier today that you're, you know, you're excited about Wilson, but you know, after the, the Sam Darnold experience, I guess you have some PTSD from, from trading up and or not trading up, but just drafting a quarterback really early. How do you feel now that Zach Wilson is officially a New York Jet? Are you excited yet? Did you order your Zach Wilson? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I might order that. I thought you were going to ask me if I ordered his Jersey. I, Actually, don't think I am going to yet. I mean, it is not, just not even of, the eight dollar jerseys you can get off the web. Yeah, the, I might maybe I'll get like a twenty dollar one from China. The numbers will peel off and might have <laughs> some misspelling on the New York on on the front, but that's what you get for twenty dollars. Um, but I mean, it is just sort of Sam Darnold PTSD. Like I'm very excited about him. He deserves to be taken at two. He has all the potential in the world. It's just I'm not. I'm not because I think after Darnold, like. I just don't feel ready to just invest in someone like that this soon again, because like, I just want to see it first. And part of that's him. Part of it's how the team builds around him, which it seems like they're doing a great job uh, of doing that. Um, but I'm just not ready to invest in him. Like, Oh, he's the savior and all this. Just like, I need to see it first. I'm very confident in him deserves to be taken here. Um, absolutely love the selection, love him as a prospect, but I want to see it first before I just invest in him and become a full on Zach Wilson supporter. Like I was with Sam Darnold, because then if things go South and you're in this awkward position, like I sort of was with Darnold this past year. So um, I'm just going to evaluate him, evaluate him fairly from the beginning. That's sort yeah. of my stance, but I'm still very excited about it. I'm just not jumping for joy just yet. Yeah. I don't really care. You could be the measured one in this podcast. You could represent the, the name of this pod because I'm over the moon about Zach Wilson. And about a month and a half ago, I would not have said that a month and a half ago, I was calling him a baby faced elf and was like, well, you know, I really like Justin Fields, but the more I've watched this kid, the more I see Aaron Rodgers, And a lot of that might be, you know, post pick rationale or Homerism, but you can't deny that this kid is special. And, and I will say, you know, despite the fact that I, I, came around on Darnold when he first came out I wasn't a huge Darnold fan either 
But I will say, I think Wilson is a supremely talented quarterback. I think he's a better prospect than Sam Darnold was coming out. I think the biggest concern I have with Zach Wilson, which is I think the scariest part about him is, you know, he doesn't have an ideal frame. You're worried about the shoulder. You're worried about how he reacts when he gets hit by NFL players. But the fact that the Jets trading up and, and getting him some protection and his, his blind side for the next hopefully 10 years is going to be with Kai Becton and, and, and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, that gives you a lot more um, – um, I guess I'm a lot more comfortable with, with Zach Wilson because my, my biggest fear is just the injury risk. Um, and I think he probably needs to add about 10 pounds to his frame. I mean, look, he does look incredibly young. It's pretty crazy considering we're the same age, but I look at him and it's like, wow. I mean, I know I'm a baby faced elf too, but he just, I mean, it's crazy. It looks like the Jets have a little kid playing quarterback, but he's supremely talented. The, the, the release is the biggest thing that I think jumps off the charts. And I think that's the biggest thing that separates him from fields because I think fields is going to be a, a, a great quarterback as well. I haven't backed off that as well at all. I think fields definitely deserve to go higher than 11, but the release of Zach Wilson, the way that ball just jumps out of his hand, the way that he can crack that whip from anywhere he can, he can throw from any angle. He can throw from any platform. Uh, he, I mean, yeah, he just makes so many throws that are just, I'm better than you type of throws. So many overconfident, crazy type of throws that you see Aaron Rodgers make. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is in in a league of his own. I think Aaron Rodgers is in a league of his own. But as far as play style and ceiling aspirations for Zach Wilson, I I think this is a perfect fit. And it's a perfect scheme fit. They get two players in the first round that are perfect scheme fits. So, yeah, I I know you're the more measured one and you're going to – evaluate him objectively i'm gonna completely evaluate him subjectively i'm super excited about this this uh day one of the draft um and i can't wait for day two um because we said it all on friday is the most important day of the draft the jets originally had three picks now they only have one michael the jets are sitting at 34 what's going through your mind about the thought process of do you stay at 34 and take some of the talented players that are still available or do you move back recuperate some of the picks that you lost do you maybe package two of the fourth that you have and, and try to get back into the third? I mean, what do you think in Joe Douglas's plan might be um, for Friday night? Well, I think this is a really interesting spot because the board has fallen in a way to where you're going to have a couple of interesting options available to you, uh, to you here. I think after initially after the trade, the first instinct was trade down by all means. You lost both your third round picks. Let's try to recoup some of that value but the board has fallen now. Tevin Jenkins is still here. Awusu Koromoa is still here. Um, so it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because I think I would stay put and take one of those guys at 34. Um, and it does put you in a tough spot with not having a third round pick and having to wait all the way till the fourth round into the hundreds to make your next pick. But that is, you know, that is the, the consequence of trading up. But I think at this spot here, uh, they definitely have the opera. I would stay put and take one of those two guys, I, wh- whichever one is available. I don't agree about Uwusu Koromoa. I like him, and I, I could see him being fairly high on the Jets draft board because I think that he is a solid type of linebacker. He is certainly, you could describe him as all gas, no break. But I think the reason he's falling is kind of what we saw happen to Isaiah Simmons this year where it's, he's a very talented player, but those positionalist linebackers and the Jets fans know all about it with Darren Lee, although it was a different situation. They were trying to make him a three, four inside linebacker for God knows what reason. Um, but with the Kormo, it's like he's a really small linebacker and then he's not really a, a safety either. I think he would be good in this system, a four, three will and a solid defense. I think it would work, but 
a non-premium position, a guy who I think has some question marks. I think I'd rather just see the Jets trade down. It's also a great linebacker class. So you can trade down and still get a guy like Jabril Cox and pick up a third. So I'm not I'm not rushing to the podium for for uh, a Moa. I would I would stay at 34 for Tevin Jenkins. Um, it I don't think they. Look, I think that McGovern's their center. So Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey, unless they want either of them to bounce out to guard or they were really just playing poker all along and they, they're, they're confident that McGovern um, can be a guard. It seems like they want McGovern to be their center. So I, I don't I think they would still trade down for those guys. But Jenkins is the guy that's like, he gives you kind of exactly what you're looking for at this stage for your offensive line, which is a guy who can play guard this year, but also a guy that may be your tackle next year. If Fant goes down, you can bump him out there. But also presuming Fant leaves next year you could bump him out there if if you so please but this year you can at least play him at guard uh, and get him some reps so uh, if Jenkins is there I think I agree with you I think you stay at 34 and you just solidify the offensive line in front of Zach Wilson if you like somebody in the third you can try to package two you're forced to move up um, and try to get a corner um, or maybe another weapon or something for Zach but the most important thing for Zach Wilson is the protection um, because of the concerns that I just laid out and the fact that if the Jets can secure the protection in front of him, I'm feeling great about him. Especially, I don't think the, the, the Jets' weaponry is as bad as, as advertised. Obviously, it's not great, but bringing in Corey Davis is huge. Jameis Crowder is among the best slot receivers in the league. I'm, I'm bullish on, on Denzel Mims. And I think particularly Mims and, and Davis, and you could throw Cole in there as well, are kind of the perfect Zach Wilson type of receivers as well. Um, uh, Michael, who are some of the players that the Jets stick at 34 outside of Tevin Jenkins and Owusu Koromo that you think they consider? And then if they did trade down from 34, who are some of the ones that you'd have to keep an eye on? Let's say they moved down 10 spots or whoever, you know, you, you want to talk about, but who are some of the names you'd keep an eye out for if you're, uh, if you're looking at, at day two for the Jets? Well, first I want to talk about this 34 situation a little bit more because I really think Jenkins is going to be there. I don't see Jacksonville going offensive line. Their offensive line is quietly not that bad. They're set at tackle. They have Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson uh, at guard. They've Andrew Norwell on his big contract on one side, and they've AJ Can on the other side, who is in the last year of his deal, but he's he was pretty solid last season in terms of his numbers. I don't think they're going to go there. Uh, they could go with uh, safety here. They could go with some more receiver help. I think that's what they'll probably focus on. Um, so I think Jenkins is going to be there. And if, if he is, I think it's an absolute no brainer. I like Owusu Kormo here. If the Jaguars do take Jenkins for whatever reason, um, I, I would still support that pick. I think he's, even though he's on the small side, he's exactly what they were going for with Keanu Neal, same exact frame. He brings the coverage ability that they need. They have two much bigger linebackers and Mosley and Davis I think Owusu Kormo checks all the boxes for linebacker, even though he's on that smaller side, he can bulk up a little bit um, if, if they need him to, if they think he needs to. Um, but I think it just, for me, it comes down to linebacker is not a premium position. And I think it's a deep class. And especially since you don't have either of the thirds, I'm in the business. Uh, I mean, I agree. I just think he's a- it, it, because Michael, if you take him, then who are you playing at guard? I guess you're sticking with Van Roden, but you're not going to have any pick other picks to surround Zach Wilson with help. Unless you're moving back into the third, your next, time to, to surround Wilson with any sort of help is going to be on day three. So it's just like, I like him a lot. I think the question marks though are enough for me to say, look, it's a non-premium position and we need to help this rookie quarterback out. So I, I think Jenkins is the only guy I would stay at 34 for. Yeah, I can def- I definitely hear that. I just think he is a good enough value. I thought he was going to go in the twenties or uh, the early twenties or maybe the teens. So I think he's a great value here and a really good scheme fit. So I would, I'd be okay with him. 
at this spot. Uh, but I totally hear that argument as well. But it looks like Jenkins is going to be there. So I think it's such a no-brainer if he is. I think Jenkins is going to be there, and it's going to be a really interesting decision because I think Joe Douglas's probably original plan was to trade down. I don't think he probably expected Tevin Jenkins to get Obviously speculation. But um, I think it is in his nature Joe Douglas would trade down and secure those picks. But Jenkins is kind of exactly what the Jets are looking for, and they're rumored to be big fans of his. So – yeah, I, I think I think they'll ultimately take in my prediction. Now, let's look at two positions that aren't really getting a lot of uh, buzz. And these are more positions. Well, maybe not. I was going to say receiver and edge. How likely do you think it is that the Jets might address either one of one or both, I guess, tomorrow? Um, obviously, if it's both, it would be in a trade down. But those are two positions where I think, obviously, the Jets address both in free agency. There's still relatively needs, more so in the long term, I guess. Um, and there's some really good players available. Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall. Um, Ojolari still out there. But uh, do you think it's a big enough need for the Jets to try to take him at 34? Do you think if you're going to address one of those needs that aren't maybe, you know, tier one type of needs like a corner is or another guard, um, that it would probably be more likely to, to address in a trade down? It'll be interesting to see how they look at some of these other positions, the defensive positions, because – um, you know, th- those two third round picks are kind of where we are looking to knock out some of those needs. Um, but now with that huge gap, if you do stay here and take Tevin Jenkins, then you're not picking again until the fourth round. And obviously you can touch on some of those needs at that point. But the, at, at the, when you're picking in day three of the draft, you can't really rely on those guys to be day one starters for you. Um, it's it's very rare to see those guys pan out in that way. So uh, it's definitely going to be tough now with those third round picks out the door. There There is a price to be paid by losing those two on defense in particular. Um, so it's going to be tough if they are on a, if they don't trade down to get those third round picks back, it's, it's going to be really hard, but if they do stay uh, active on day two. If they trade down, um, get a couple, get an extra pick in the third round or ha- whatever they might do and, you know, make a pick in the second round. Um, there are some, I do like a lot of these day two defensive prospects. Um, Aziz Ojolari is still on the board. If, if they, I mean, he's, he's going to go at the top. Yeah. He'll go at the top, but if they do like a slight move down, maybe Jenkins goes off the board. Ojolari is your best player available. I think that make could make sense. Cornerback pretty good day two uh, cornerback group. I think Adebo from Stanford, Mel Fonwu from Syracuse, Tyson Campbell, sure. Asante Samuel jr. Um, so there are some good defensive options, but, but like I said, this, this is where I think the price for that trade up comes in. I think you're uh, especially at cornerback and linebacker. Um, you're not going to be able to get a guy who, you know, you could have picked in the sec early second, early third round who has a chance to come in and actually start right away. You're going to be relying on day three guys to come in. And I don't think you can rely on those guys from that part of the draft. So They'll hit on these needs at some point, but it's not going to be till later. So uh, they're sacrifice. They're going to sacrifice a corner, and I think will linebacker this season. Yeah, I think that. Look, even if they like Jenkins, I think the only way they don't trade down is if they're head over heels in love with the prospect here. And I think they, I think they will take Jenkins because I, I get the sense that he's exactly the type of player Joe Douglas would be looking for. Um, but I think the only way you stay at thirty four is if you really love a prospect because you, you kind of are handicapping yourself, like you're saying. Um, but good scouting departments thrive on day three. And I think Joe Douglas is confident that, look, is he going to get day one starters on day three? No, but he could get guys that can, can help fill that pipeline of talent that the jets are, are, are so desperately looking for. 
Um, it also gives you kind of the opportunity, like we were talking about earlier, if you are worried about missing out on some of these day two guys, you do have a lot of picks in day three that you can package and move up. And like PJ mentioned to us a few days ago, it's like the, the Jets have 21 picks over the next two years, but the likelihood that all 21 of those picks can even make the roster just due to, to the roster you know, space is, is fairly low. So some of those guys are going to have to be traded. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's either Jenkins or a trade down for me. It just depends how much they really like him. I guess the other guy that if, you know, we, we did mention Humphrey and Dickerson a little bit, but Braden's from, uh, from North Dakota State University, he's a guy that has versatility all across the line. So I could see him potentially being rated higher than Jenkins. We don't know Joe Douglas's draft board at all, but I, I it's, it's either, it's either O-line or trade down. I and mean, even if they trade down, they can still target guys like Kendrick Green or Jalen Mayfield or Wyatt Davis. Um, so the Jets are in a really good spot. The board fell tremendously for the Jets in day one. I know some fans are maybe a little hesitant that the Jets had to trade up to get a guard and they had to give up two thirds, but trust me, I think it was worth it. I think it's worth protecting Zach Wilson. You're getting a terrific player in Alicia Vera Tucker. That's not a reach at all. Um, super talented, fills a need, great scheme fit. I mean, you can't complain about giving up two thirds, especially with all the draft picks that you do have. Um, those are the type of risks you have to take. I know it's more lottery tickets, you know, more shots on goal, but Every once in a while, you have to go get a player that you really believe in. And if Joe Douglas has uh, Vera Tucker in his top 10 on the big board, like he said, home run, home run day one for the Jets. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think I can give it anything less than an A. I mean, these draft grades mean absolutely nothing uh, until we see him on the, on the field. But just based off of, I guess, value, you can grade the trade value as well, the type of positions that the Jets are addressing. That's where these grades come from. Day one, Michael, what do you give them? I, I would go with a solid. I would go with a solid A. Um, I think they're going to pay the price. They're going to feel the impact of losing those third round picks on defense this year. But ultimately, that's not what matters. What's most important is helping out your franchise quarterback, doing whatever. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you you know, say you stay at twenty three and you take a defensive player and you keep your third round picks, but you go into the season with Greg Van Rowen and Alex Lewis as your starting guards, that's going to hurt your team a lot. No matter how good your pass rush or your secondary is, that's going to hold you back. The number one priority is building up your quarterback and doing everything you can to make sure he can be successful. Even if you have to pay the short-term price of your defense having a bunch of holes, you're not trying to win the Super Bowl this year. They're going to have plenty of time to fill these holes. They have plenty of picks next year. Um, in a draft where it's going to be a lot easier to evaluate players than it was this year. Um, so they have, they sell plenty of picks and ammunition down the line. Uh, they're going to, and also you're relying on your defensive staff to be really good at developing talent. That's why Robert Sala is here. That's what he did well, especially a linebacker in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, you pay that price, you help out your franchise quarterback. That's what you need to do. Obviously in a perfect world, you would be able to help him out without trading up, but this isn't a perfect world. You got to do what you have to do. Um, and this, uh, that was a perfect move. And I think it tells us a lot about Joe Douglas, who he is, because I think right. he sort of built this reputation after the last draft and his first free agency period to where he was going to be a conservative sort of GM. He's a trade down guy. He's a cheap with contracts guy, but I think now you combine last off season with this one where we've seen, both a you know a laid back free agency and an aggressive one this offseason we've seen a laid back draft and now he comes in round one this year and makes a very aggressive move to get an interior offensive lineman so we've seen him do everything in both free agency and the draft in terms of the aggressiveness scale and I think that's what you want to see you want to have a guy who isn't just attached to one philosophy like 
I'm going to build through the draft. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to save cap space. You don't want to be that. And you also don't want to be super aggressive, just throwing money everywhere, trading up left and right. You want to be able to be capable of doing anything and understanding what's best for the situation and being capable of doing that. And that's what Douglas has shown us. If last year he thought it made sense to be conservative. So he did that this year. It was time to spend some money. It was time to trade up and help out his quarterback. So he's done that. And I think that is what one of the most impressive things to me about Joe Douglas. He doesn't have a particular ideology that he's going to be stubborn with. He's capable of doing anything. He'll do whatever it takes, whether it's being aggressive or conservative. He understands the situation and knows what he needs to do, and he's going to do it. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that, that you touched on, like, look, obviously an A for me, and I think the only way it would be an A-plus is if Vera Tucker fell to 23, but that was never going to happen, and that's nothing you can control. So you can make the argument that this would be an A-plus because this just shows – Joe Douglas's initiative, understanding the draft board, moving up, not being um, too gun shy. He's taking a risk. I love what Robert Sala told Zach Wilson on the phone, that this team is going to lift you up, not the other way around. It's a good sign that the Jets are finally getting it, that they finally understand, look, there's a ton of draft quarterbacks that come in and that are super talented that can succeed, but you have to put them in the right situation. And Zach Wilson's one of those guys. If Zach Wilson walked into the, the same situation Darnold did a few years ago, I don't know what type of quarterback he's going to be, but I do know that the, the culture that Joe Douglas is building and the team that Robert Sala is helping um, to develop uh, is certainly the best rookie situation rookie quarterback has come into for the Jets since Mark Sanchez, um, which I guess isn't saying too much. Um, but I'm just, I'm really excited about their philosophy. We learned a lot about Douglas. He's a little bit more aggressive than I think I thought he went, might be. He understands that board. Um, and he's being aggressive to, to surround his young quarterback with talent. So there's nothing more that, that I, I could ask for him. I think, as I said, I think it's either Tevin Jenkins or a trade down for me. It just depends on how much they like him. But it, they're going to have to be over the moon for, for me to, for, uh, for, for Douglas to take him, in my opinion. I think they're going to have to be really shocked that he makes it for them to, to put that card in at 34, because I would imagine that they were, they made that trade thinking they were going to trade down at 34, just to make more sense considering how many holes are on this team. But, if they if they like Tevin, but they get a good offer and they're they they like guys like Raidens and they like Kendrick Green and maybe they like White Davis or Creed Humphrey or something, if they're comfortable with those players and they get a good offer, I expect them to move out and trade down and and help try to supplement some of the other needs on this roster. But overall, day one in the books, and it was a really good one for the New York Jets. I'm over the moon. I'm ecstatic. I think this is a, a great start to a really pivotal draft um, for Joe Douglas and the Jets. Um, tweet us what you want, uh, your thoughts on on this on this uh, day one and your, your thoughts on what the Jets should do for day two. We'll be back tomorrow night as well, recapping day two and, and previewing day three. You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael, Michael underscore Nania. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets X factor, which is the best place to go for Jets content. Michael, any last words before you get out of here? I'm just really excited. We have a general manager who cares about helping out his quarterback and, you know, whatever you think of Zach Wilson, if you're not the biggest fan of him, uh, if you're a huge fan of him, the jets are doing a fantastic, like this isn't even just good relative to Sam Darnold. This is good in general, just compared to any quarterback rookie quarterback situation. I mean, just compare to compare everything, to Sam Darnold, Corey Davis versus Robbie Anderson upgrade. Jameson Crowder versus Jermaine Curse, upgrade. Um, then you look at Quincy Nunois versus Denzel Mims, upgrade. Becton versus Beecham, upgrade. Just go down the line. It's better at every single position. And this is um, 
this is a really good supporting cast that they're building him, uh, building for him. Again, it's not just better than Darnold because that was horrible. That was a really low bar to clear, but this is good period um, compared to any other rookie quarterback situation. It's definitely above average. So um, it's good to know that they have a general manager who understands how the sport works and how to actually build a team. Yes, sir. I love everything you just said there. Day one in the rearview mirror gets an A in both of our books. Um, over the moon about this draft class. Day two on deck. Stay tuned. We'll be back 24 hours from right now. Carr has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air. Picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat. And the punter brings him down. Brayden Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.